I said yes before I had time to, you know, think about all the logical reasons why to say no. And I think that's sort of a big key to uh, anything I've ever done is, is just sort of saying yes based on the instinct of that feels right. No matter what, I have to go do that. I always lead with yes uh, if it feels like the right thing and then kind of figure out all the technical stuff afterwards. Welcome to Real Talk Arkansas. I'm your host, Cody Ford, Director of Outreach, Education, and Statewide Programs for the Arkansas Cinema Society. Today, I'm chatting with an old pal of mine who has recently expanded his resume, to put it that way. He is a longtime musician known around Central Arkansas music scene, and uh, he was also the co-founder and former owner of Electric Ghost Printing in Little Rock. So a lot of people know Brooks Tipton, uh, but I feel like a lot of people don't know the side of Brooks as a film composer, which is, as I say, a very new foray for him, and uh, you know, we're going to talk about it today. So let's welcome Brooks to the show. Brooks, welcome to Real Talk Arkansas. Hey, glad to be here. Well, hey, we're glad to have you. I mean, I know you and I go back a bit, and it's always fun to catch up with you. And it's we're we're here today. We're going to talk about a particular a, a new path your career has taken. But like you've had, it's like you've lived a hundred lifetimes in the time <laughs> that I've known you with so many different things that you have going on. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, some of our listeners at least, may know you from Electric Ghost Printing and you know having your screen printing business there in Little Rock for a while, and uh, you know you've since sold that. But I, I think a lot of other people probably just know you as a musician because you've been in so many bands over the years and everything. And yeah, let's just let's kind of start talking about uh, you know your, your journey as a musician, and then we're going to segue into what you're doing today or currently, which is composing for film, which we always love to talk about here. <laughs> yeah, man, this is the right place to talk about that for sure. Um, yeah, and, and it all does feed into that, and I think it was always sort of leading to this. You know, um, in the early days, uh, like you said, I I started out as a musician. Um, totally untrained. Um, I just happened to be surrounded by a lot of really great musicians in my neighborhood coming up and they would sort of let me tag along and sit in. I, I really started playing guitar and bass uh, at an early age. And these guys were always so much better than me. And I, I just thought that they were so gracious for like letting me sort of even pretend to play along. And after a while, that sort of led me into actually playing along and then joining bands and stuff and sort of faking it till I made it, you know, um, there's, there's a whole lot to be said for, uh, that old saying for sure. I feel like my whole career, uh, has stemmed from faking it till I make it. <laughs> hey, yeah, dude, she got to do that was, so, you know, you start out playing, was that in Little Rock when you, did you yeah. grow up in Little Rock? Yeah. So in Bryant, which is like a little suburb okay. of Little Rock. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, you, you mentioned you're kind of faking it to you, Megan, hanging out with these guys. Was there ever a moment early on when you were younger that it just clicked and you're like, oh, man, I'm doing it. I'm in a band now. <laughs> yeah, I I used to go to shows at Vino's and I would see these bands play there. And there was just so much power in that. I thought there is no way I'm ever going to get to that point, you know, and I didn't even my brain couldn't even conceive that I would ever uh play a place like Vino's or, or something like that. And um, the truth is it, 
as I kept going and progressing and finally I'm playing in a band and we're playing like a show, which is really just a house show right then I felt like I'd, I had made it, you know? Um, I know, I know that sounds <laughs> funny, but it, from the beginning, just playing live music in a room where people are kind of getting into it at all. Um, that, feeling is still the same whether there's you know a, a few people in the living room kind of jumping around reacting to the music or or ten thousand people it's it it really is kind of the same and and that is when I felt like I made it is whenever I felt like I'm playing shows I'm the one on the stage um I'm playing my instrument and people are into it what instrument were you playing back then because you're kind of a multi-instrumentalist now right yeah. So in the early days, um, you know, everybody played guitar, everybody played bass and I was playing bass in bands and I was not that great. You know, I'm just kind of trying to keep up and uh, we would do like some original songs and Nirvana covers and some Radiohead and stuff. Um, and I, I feel like at a certain point we had a piano in my house and I was just never that interested in piano but I was such a big fan of, uh, of Nine Inch Nails and Tori Amos that one day it clicked. I was like, oh, they're amazing pianists. You know, that's that's a great instrument. Um, I have no idea how to be creative uh, with that instrument. And I was like, I want to try. So I'd sit down behind the piano for hours and just sort of noodle and took what I knew from guitar and started learning these cover songs that I'd learned to kind of piece it together on piano. And that was sort of the beginning of me learning how to play piano. And were you ever comfortable with acoustic as well? Or just, you went from mo mostly bass to piano kind of? Yeah. So I play acoustic guitar and uh, we'll record stuff um, on acoustic now. And I feel like I, I was always a, a mimicker with guitar and bass. Like I could mimic other people and get to where I could even play it. What, some people might think it's playing it well, but there was never that sort of artistry, that thing that was kind of feeding uh, through in an artistic way. When did you first start? I mean, you talk about noodling there on the piano. When did you first start writing your own songs? So really just right away. I mean, I was, I was 17 um, sitting in the house and um, we, we had that house where like there was a lot of people around all the time. And my parents would kind of let my friends come over. We, you know, had a pool table and stuff like that. And I always loved having a lot of people around, but I'm also pretty reclusive. So I would kind of go hide out behind the piano. And it was a place I could just kind of sit and get away from everyone. Uh, I know that sounds strange, but I loved that the ambiance of everyone kind of being there and the energy of people being in the house. But I would be um, sort of hiding out you know, kind of brooding back in a corner playing some weird, dark piano stuff. I always wish I just when I was a kid, I played, you know, I, I could do some Camp Town races, some, you know, uh, <laughs> some of the Christmas songs, you know, I could do some of that. But I just I didn't keep up with it. And as I got older, I always kind of wish I could have been that guy in like the movies who's like, oh, there's a baby grand here. He like cracks his knuckles and starts playing <laughs> and everybody's singing along. Uh, did you ever get to become that guy in your life? You know, it, it's funny you say that. The, the movie that makes me think of is like Groundhog Day. Um, he, yeah. he slowly, every day, kind of, 
you know, it's Groundhog Day. What else does he have to do? So he's kind of learning until he can impress this giant room of people with this, you know, amazing uh, piano piece that that he whips out. Um, yeah, I, I feel like um, for me, I, I, I get kind of shy when people are around and I'm playing piano. I, I like doing like sing-alongs and stuff like that or uh, playing Beatles songs and everybody singing along to it. Um, uh, was that the question? Is if I like yeah, playing? Yeah. Um, uh, cool. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I do like performing like a worked out set more than just kind of sitting around playing uh, the piano for people. Yeah. Now, I think when you and I first met, you were playing with uh, Vincent Griffin. You guys were doing, weren't you in Bear Colony? Yes. Yeah, I think that's whenever we first met. It was like around the time of that first record and everything. Oh my and, gosh, wow. Yeah, what a yeah. good time that was. It's it's been a while, and and so uh, yeah, you, you played with Bear Colony there for a while, and I remember you had your your solo piece Glass Wands, which I still have on vinyl actually, and I listen to from time to time. Oh, that's um, awesome! You know, now you're out touring with bigger bands, and I remember seeing you with the Secret Sisters and stuff. When did you make that jump from kind of like being just the Little Rock scene into playing with you know bands that are touring nationally and internationally? So really, that was kind of a little bit before um, I was working at CD Warehouse, um, this awesome little record store in Little Rock um, in the early 2000s. I had moved out to Colorado and came back. And uh, that's when I first met Vince. He was working at the North Little Rock CD Warehouse and he had this band called American Tourist. And they were just the best band that I'd I couldn't believe they were a local band. Um, they were good. I remember watching them back in the day. American. Yeah. That's awesome that you remember that. Um, truly, truly a great band. Even to this day, I, I think those songs hold up. Um, and it just so happened that their bass player was leaving right then. And I hadn't played in a while, but I love, I'd gone and saw them play live and I'd never been in a band before. And Vince just took me in and we sat down and, and he showed me the songs and I played bass in that band originally. And uh, we would play shows between Little Rock, Fayetteville, stuff like that. And we'd play with American Princes and, and all of these really great um, Arkansas bands back in that, in that time, there was a lot going on. And um, just through people, um, I met some of the guys from that band, Unwed Sailor, and that band started out of Seattle um, originally, and it, it had formed from that band Pedro the Lion and became sort of a side project. And um, the guy was in CD Warehouse and asking me if I play, you know, he said, you play keys and we need a keyboard player. Can you go on tour in a month? <laughs> and I was 20. I wasn't even 21 yet. And uh, I was just kind of dumbfounded. I mean, I just, I said yes before I had time to, you know, think about all the logical reasons why to say no. Um, and I think that's sort of a big key to uh, anything I've ever done is, is just sort of saying yes, based on the instinct of that feels right. That's no matter what, I have to go do that. And uh, joining on with Sailor definitely changed everything that led me to playing in all the bands that I've ever played in. And I know this is kind of a random aside, but weren't you also friends with uh, Josh Tillman back then? 
<laughs> so Josh Tillman, Unwitch Sailor is so interesting. If you, if you get a chance to go look at their Wikipedia, um, you know, in the early, so basically the original guitar players in that band went on to start Fleet Foxes and um, Josh ended up playing drums for us and I'm with Sailor. And then he went on to play in Fleet Foxes and then became uh, Father John Misty after that. And it, it's really just like this crazy um, web of people that played with us. You know, you've got James McAllister, who was in, in this band called Estradrang, who later he went on to play with Beck and Sufjan Stevens. And now he's, you know, uh, scoring awesome films himself and uh, playing on Taylor Swift's Midnight Midnight's record. So it Unwood Sailor is a very special band. Jonathan Ford is 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 the one at the uh, he's the nucleus of that band and um, just a, a lot of really cool musicians. And still to this day, I'll be touring and people come up to me and go, oh, man, Unwood Sailor, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's one of those kind of underground instrumental bands that meant a lot. Uh, to a lot of people, including yeah. me. Yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure I saw Unwed Sailor at least once because I, I remember the flyers being everywhere back in the day and all that. So, man, the, they're still doing it. I, I just saw that yeah. they're on tour right now. And yeah, if you get a chance, go see them still to this day. They're just absolutely killer band. So, being out there on the road, you've toured what, uh, with Thursday and Secret Sisters, right? So, yeah. So, after Unwed Sailor, um, I played in Bear Colony and we did some tours with me without you and did some national stuff. And then uh, joined a band called color revolt, which was a, another one of those bands. It's sort of like a big deal. Um, and, and I was able to join that band and play on their last record, the cradle. And we did a big tour with, uh, we were opening for taking back Sunday and, and Thursday was on that tour. And that, this is just kind of how it's worked over the years. You know, you just kind of, meeting people on the road and um, I played keys and and everybody needs a keys player. I, I think if I would have stuck with bass, uh, I'd still be playing bass uh, in that Nirvana cover band from high school. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> but I think because I play keys and, and it's such a unique thing, um, it, somehow I've just kind of fit the bill at the right time for these certain bands. And uh, Thursday's keyboard player needed to leave for a while and, they asked me to do um, all of their final tours uh, at the time. It was their final tours. Now they're back and killing it. But, um, but yeah, I did uh, all their U S and Canada and Australia tours with them. Cool. And I remember watching you with secret sisters and you guys played here in Fayetteville and you were playing keys with them as well. So. Um, oh yeah. I guess- I re- that was a great show. I remember that was the, uh, that, that festival there. Um, Roots Fest. Roots Fest. Yeah. That was they really brought in some cool acts. Uh, I saw the Wood Brothers that day, and um, the Secret Sisters was very special. I mean, uh, when I was in Color Revolt, our bass player Luke uh, was listening to them a lot, um, and we all just fell in love with them. It's, it's such a true sort of Patsy Cline, Everly Brothers, old school like country. The, the two sisters coming up from Alabama, and um, you know, I, I'd read about them and, and learned that T-Bone Burnett did their records and Pig Robbins actually played the piano uh, parts that I had to learn. And man, that guy, you, you got to check out that Wikipedia. Absolute 
classic piano player and I have never played honky tonk style piano at all or um, you know that style of true country you know hot shot piano playing and uh, so I, I had to call on some locals uh, John Willis and uh, Philip Huddleston some of these like really great ears and music uh, great musicians there in Little Rock to come and help me I was like guys you gotta help me piece this thing together <laughs> and they, they literally came and helped me kind of learn technique and prepare to play in that band this was another one that was like yeah i'll do it <laughs> and then you had to oh, like, yeah. figure it out how to do always it. say yeah. yes it, you know i i kind of worked my way in that band uh, uh just meeting the girls and and saying hey i can put a band together and they they kind of they had been touring with some kind of nashville hired guns you know who are great players but they wanted they wanted like a rock band. And I was like, you know, that's, that's my MO. I can put together a rock band. And, and I did. And uh, all great players that there's such good memories. We, we did a lot in that band. It was, it was cool. They're still going, um, but they tour more as just a duo now. And uh, they tour, I think they play with uh, Brandy Carlisle and stuff like that. We'll back up for her and tour with her. Yeah, I think they're playing in Arkansas somewhere soon, or they recently did. I, I remember seeing their name on a bill at some point uh, within within this year that it was like an upcoming show or had already happened. Uh, but yeah, that's cool. They're still out there. Now, you just got off the road. You've been out there with uh, Manchester Orchestra for a while. Yeah, man. Um, through through Color Revolt um, and Umwood Sailor in the early days, I met those guys when they were up and coming and um in 2017 i i was just just got to the point where i got electric ghost my my screen printing company i got it really up and going um downtown on main street and i told shannon i was like i i really am getting the bug again to tour and so i kind of had my feelers out there and uh they post manchester orchestra posted a video of them playing like cbs good morning show and i noticed that their normal keyboard player wasn't with them and so i wrote andy uh, on facebook i hadn't talked to him in a long time and I said hey man i love this song the gold and you guys are killing it and i noticed that uh your, your keyboard player is not with you anymore um just wanting to throw my name in the hat and if there is a hat to throw the name in i, I want to throw it in and just put it out there either way y'all are killing it great job you know i didn't expect anything to come of that and he wrote back and said, oh, man, the job's covered. Uh, wish I would have known a week ago, you know. And uh, and a couple of weeks went by and I, I saw uh, Andy Hull was calling me. And right then I knew I was like, oh, man, everything's about to change big time. So you got the call and uh, you were you out on tour pretty much immediately with him after that? <laughs> he said, uh, hey, man, can you learn a full set of songs in two weeks? Uh, for a month-long tour that we're about to go on and again I said uh, yep absolutely and here I am and calling my buddies back up to help me figure out these songs <laughs> um, <laughs> that's actually true I, I I needed a little bit of help but um, it's a lot you know keys you're, you're talking synth and pianos and just trying to kind of like even understand where the person that wrote those parts was coming from. It's not as simple as just sitting down and playing it. You got to play oh, yeah. it with the right feel and the, and hit the keys the right way. And, and I was, 
I always lead with yes uh, if it feels like the right thing and then kind of figure out all the technical stuff afterwards. So you guys, you've been out with them a few times now? Uh, yeah, I've been with Manchester since 2017. And and uh, so, yeah, we've, we've done a lot of big touring. And um, I, I haven't played on the records. Uh, they actually kind of cover that themselves. Uh, they're, they're such great musicians. And, you know, I, I, I didn't want to kind of come in there and mess with something that was already working so well. But as we've sort of integrated and become so close, They've been talking about me actually playing on the upcoming record and stuff. So, so we'll see what happens there. If it's, if it's natural, then that's what's going to happen. We'll look forward to hearing those tunes. I, I like this stuff I've heard from this latest record. There's some good songs on it. So now for people who kind of known you from around Little Rock, like you've been gone for a bit. You uh, sold Electric Ghost, you and Shannon, your wife have been out on the road for a couple years and now you're, you're off tour and, and now, now you've settled down in Florida. You're, you're a Florida man, officially. <laughs> I'm a Florida man, yeah, for better or okay. for worse. Uh, so you're in uh, St. Pete's right now? Yeah, so we're in St. Petersburg. Um, you know, like you said, we we traveled around in our motorhome. Uh, my wife and I, we sold our house. We sold our cars. Uh, we did sort of that classic thing after we sold the business. Um, or we, we sort of just needed to decompress, and we needed some nature in our lives. So we bought a motorhome, and packed up the dogs and, and traveled around for two years. And um, we ended up, we were sort of looking for where we might want to live. And uh, St. Pete ended up checking off all the boxes and uh, we just love it down here. We, we kind of hate the cold. So we're just kind of hiding out down here in the sunshine. Okay. A lot, a lot of sunshine to be had down there. So <laughs> circling back to, to the reason we brought you here today is we want to talk about uh, composing. And I guess, you know, now you've got a little free time to maybe do a little more of that. But you've done uh, two features now, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in the glass wine stuff was always my outlet for doing sort of the thing in me that was my artistic expression. And it was all instrumental, uh, instrumental sort of piano synth based music. Um, and at a certain point, I started realizing uh, you know, I, I have a deep love for film and I just started realizing, oh, that's that is my outlet. That's actually what I want to connect to. I don't know anyone in the film industry. I know some people that do it, but I had this big gut feeling that that's what I need to do and kind of where I need to start sort of swaying everything towards. And so I started I started kind of putting it out there to people that that I'd like to score some movies and Justin Crumb happened to uh, call me. I knew that he was making that movie Papaw Land. And he, he gave me a call. And I think he just sort of wanted to fill me out. And and we, we just talked about movies and stuff and, and what other composers we liked and just music in general. And I think within the first five minutes, we kind of realized like, okay, we're on the same page here. Um, I think I really felt like I could make the music for this film he's making. So, yeah, so he he took a chance on me, and, and I feel like we're both very happy with the outcome. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, we got to screen Papa Land earlier this year down in Little Rock. So, yeah, it's a great film. Now, with that, I mean, how did you uh, – I, I assume you took the usual 
yes and then <laughs> learned everything kind of approach with it but um you know you, so you, you guys get set on talk and everything and, and you, you have so much experience with instrumentals anyway being in the various bands and with glass wands was there ever any trouble you had or could you just sort of hear these melodies after you watch the film you know i i really like it when a director has a good idea of what they want um and they usually do um and if they don't, we can get we can get it there together. But he had such a, a, a clear vision for the vibe he was going for. And he would have temp music in. And I like temp music because I can listen to it and go, I understand what they're going for. But I'm not going to make that same music. I'm going to try and capture that vibe, the thing that's sort of the essence that's under that. And then right after I have that thought, I've, I've kind of noticed that my process is to is to completely get rid of that thought uh, and also uh, watch the film with nothing and sort of just throw my hand in and try and feel like let them, you know, let the film talk to me and, and tell me what it wants. And so far that has been the thing that ends up going in to the picture each time is sort of these initial um gut feelings of what should happen and to give you an example of that when i first played pep all in through i was kind of getting the rough cuts and i'm seeing these scenes and and it's arkansas and and the kids about this troubled teen and he's he's going to go get dropped off at his grandfather's house for the summer because he's he's kind of been in some trouble and and his mom's going to let grandpa deal with him you know that kind of thing and they're driving through rural Arkansas, just, you know, and I did that as a kid. I remember that. And it made me think about cicadas and it made me think about, um, you know, uh, the deep summer uh, in the deep South of Arkansas. And it just made me think about that heat and, and the whole feeling behind it. And I thought, how can I recreate that feeling and that sound uh, with synth and I had just gotten this Moog synthesizer. I was like, I don't know if this is possible, but I'm going to try and recreate uh, the sound of cicadas and the ambiance of like tree frogs in, in, in Arkansas. I'm going to try and get that sound, but I wanted to have the growl and sort of grit of a synthesizer. That's kind of what I was going for in that uh, cicadas track. Well, yeah, let's take a listen to cicadas real quick. Right, so that's cicadas, you know, great work on that. Uh, what are, is there any others from Papa Land that really stood out you'd like to discuss? As the film went on um, and I was, we were doing different scenes, I realized that I'm, I'm going to have kind of a wide palette here that I'm working with. It's not going to just be piano. And, you know, I think a lot of people 
um, when they see a film like this, they, they immediately start thinking like, oh, this is a film about going to grandpa's house in, the, in Arkansas. I'm going to pick up the banjos and, you know, and the mandolins and play some some old acoustic guitar stuff, you know. And I know, I, right. The, it's like the official anytime <laughs> somebody talks about Arkansas, there's got to be a banjo. Like, no, there doesn't exactly, actually. Exactly. We have it, a guitar center, too. OK, you know? <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, and I feel like this is a serious film director and, and someone with a very wide scope and a very he's, he's really going for this certain thing. And it, and I want to help him capture it. And, and I feel like what can I do artistically to do something totally different, but also something natural and feels natural in the film? And so I was using synthesizers to make cicada sounds and things like that. And in this next scene, uh, it's called The Garden. And it's when the kid kind of gets Matthew. He gets dropped off at his grandfather's and he's kind of walking around this old garden. And it's another thing I connected to. I remember having these feelings growing up, going to my grandparents' house in the summer and walking around their old garden. And um, what what did that feel like? What is it? What does it sound like? And what does it feel like? And I kind of want to combine that and um, those two things. And I, I used piano and um, I, I bowed some strings uh, to get sort of this kind of high pitch uh, sort of wind chime sound. And uh, I, I thought, how can I have this ambiance of sort of wind chimes and um, nostalgia happening, but also this sort of under, um, you know, this this sort of feeling underneath of like, a, a, a emotion sort of uh, pulsating underneath. And um, so, yeah, so I, I, I kind of combined all those instruments together where it almost sounds a little uh, like wind chimes and also a little bit like something unnerving. All right, let's take a listen to that. Well, Brooks, you've done another film as well. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so uh, the second film I did um, was was with this amazing director from Denver named Olivia Carmel. Um, they they had made this just beautiful uh, film uh, in the mountains of Colorado there, and and absolutely crushed it. And um, again, with that movie, it's a sci fi thriller, so it was kind of a whole different approach. I was able to use synthesizer, synthesizers and things, 
but to kind of really evoke like big emotion and then also using like really delicate sounds um, for sort of the soft parts. And this main theme is uh, when the main character realizes she's lost um, in the in the forest, in a snowy forest in Colorado. And uh, there's sort of some darker things going on underneath. So Brooks, you've got another project you mentioned to me, Married Good Enough, and you sent over a track called Silverleaf for us. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, uh, just the project, how you got involved and everything. Yeah, um, that's another one of those kind of small world in the music industry things. Um, you know, one of the the guys that was uh, one of the tour manager or was the tour manager uh, for that band Brand New years ago. Um, we're pretty tight with, with their camp and, and all of their crew and stuff. And he just sort of pivoted into, uh, being a producer for films. And, uh, he worked on that don't look up movie, uh, during COVID and that was his first thing. And so he sort of just kind of hit the ground running, doing cool stuff. And we've kept in touch over the years and he has a lot going on. And this guy, Dan Kennedy, um is set to direct this movie Mary Good Enough. It's a it's like a it is a comedy. It's it's a dark comedy uh Christmas movie. And they asked me to score the film and um I was very excited to do that. I was I was gonna kind of do like weird versions of Christmas songs. Um sort of like not spooky, you know, you got to be careful with that. Uh if you're gonna do dark Christmas, it can turn into like spooky Christmas, but I didn't want that. I wanted it to you be go Danny Elfman real easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Ex exactly. Exactly. Uh, and, and he's already mastered that. So I, I was kind of going to do sort of like a, a somber Christmas thing if I could, but um, as we started uh, working on the film, they just realized that it, before I ever even did music, I didn't, I didn't even do any treatments it was more talking it through. They realized, well, it's going to be a lot more sparse. And um, and the thing that had gotten them into me anyway uh, to do it um, is my Glass Wands project. And he said he just couldn't separate uh, these scenes from being some of that music. So they, they ended up actually uh, licensing some songs from my Glass Wands stuff. And um, there's this scene that that, I feel proud of because the director says 
uh, it glues the whole movie together is, is this scene where it sort of goes ambient for a second uh, in the film uh, at a very pivotal moment. And they use my uh, track called Silverleaf. All right, well, let's give Silverleaf a listen. So I guess now that you know Silverleaf's gonna be in a movie, does this mean I can sell my vinyl on eBay? Get... <laughs> Maybe to my mom, you know. Uh... <laughs> well, I, I don't think I want to part with it. I, I really do enjoy it. it. It is one that I like to break out. Uh I, I guess it's it's a December record. Like I can see where they're coming from on it because it's there's a few albums that I have. Uh some of like the like some of the Bon Iver stuff, but not Bon Iver, like his side projects. Uh that he's on there's like a group in my uh set of records of like this is my december music when it's like overcast and cold and oh, and yeah. I, and that's glass wands is in that group for me and, and which i don't i mean that in a good way because i kind of like that weather a little bit oh dude that yeah that i mean that's kind of the highest compliment you could give me i really appreciate that and i'm honored to be in that in, in that uh list for sure now Let's talk a little bit about uh, just inspirations. Like, are they because we've talked so much about music, but we haven't talked as much about movies. So, you know, who are some directors you like? Who are some composers you like? Like, what energizes you in terms of film? Man, you know, I've been connected to so many different genres of film over the years, and um, you know, comedy is is one of my favorites, uh, and, and that's not all just like you know, happy go lucky as, as you know, comedy is some deep, dark stuff in there um, and brooding, but I, I think I love a combination and, and anything with just good heart and good artistry that sort of paints the picture um, uh, something profound in a good way or not profound, something that's just completely silly, like MacGruber uh, somehow still is like profoundly good to me. Um, but you know, in the early days when I was sitting in my room connecting to music for the first time, I was connecting to like Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor and and things like that. And then I learned that he's doing soundtracks. You know, he does 
the crow and and then he does natural born killers and i was like so fascinated by the fact that um these musicians were kind of crossing over into that world and so i guess my antenna started going up in the early days but it wasn't until um you know i started learning of people like jan tierson um who did the amelie score you know john bryan uh did eternal sunshine for the spotless mind stuff like that i started kind of paying attention to composers and the more i started paying attention to composers over the years i started realizing that they are basically the glue that really holds that film together it really kind of creates all the moods and and steers steers the audience in the right direction uh hopefully and you know even like Jeff Nichols, uh, I remember I saw Take Shelter and that was my first film of his to see. And it just blew my mind. It, it was an indie film. And it was it was movies like that, that that I thought, okay, these are indie films, but they're so big. They're, they're so huge just in the scope of artistry. And so I started following people like David Wingo, who, who kind of has collaborated with with Jeff on a bunch of movies and I just started paying more attention to people like that and, and, and really love, love that music. I I love um, Jan Tiersen, like I said, and I feel like Johnny Greenwood or someone like that, uh, who I always loved in Radiohead took on such a different personality as an artist uh, when he started working uh, with Paul Thomas Anderson and just that kind of magic happens, you know, where, just listen to them talking about it. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson knows that he loves Johnny Greenwood as an artist and feels like he's going to do the right thing, but is always completely shocked by the thing that actually happens because it's totally different than what he thought was going to happen. But because these two people respect each other so much and kind of trust each other, uh, they can dig deep and and just the right thing happens um, that is kind of unforeseen by either of them. And that's kind of the relationship that that I hope to have uh, with directors moving forward. Yeah, I mean, uh, Greenwood's had some really amazing scores for him. And also you'd mentioned, you know, Trent Reznor, who now is like Mr. Composer. He's like the go-to guy. And he, he's an interesting case to me in terms of like the social network, that vibe sort of sounded like what you would expect from Nine Inch Nails a little bit. You know, like there was a darkness to it. But I mean, he did like the score for Soul. And like yeah. just, you know, he's just doing all these like really like family friendly films, mainstream films. And so, yeah, it just really does go to show just, you know, he and Atticus Ross, just their abilities as musicians to go from, you know, head like a hole and all that, like pretty hate machine era, Nine Inch Nails to like, yeah, ha- happy stuff. So, yeah, it, it really it does seem composing really does allow musicians to kind of break outside of that box that perhaps being in a certain genre or a certain band has put them in over time. Yeah. You know, it, it's that stuff, you know, is so interesting because I feel like what happens is, is you've got someone like Atticus Ross and, and Trent Reznor who are so technically good. They, they, they understand all the technical sides so well, just from years of experience and, and really caring about learning and their craft. But I think that really you could learn the technical stuff and then let the artistry take over afterwards. And I think that's what 
these guys do. I think they they know how to get the best sounds and all these kinds of things. But I really think that they sort of throw their hand in uh, when it comes to seeing whatever uh, the picture is, you know, and whether it's the Ninja Turtles or Soul or, um, you know, uh, Social Network or Gone Girl. It's like it spoke to them and they they really dug in deep and said, I want to take this serious and kind of uh, really find really find that voice for this film on each one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, with within all this your career, so where are you going next with it? Uh, is there anything else you can tease for us a little bit or, or just any overall goals you have with composing films? Yeah, um, I've got a couple things in the works that I'm that I'm trying to land right now uh, that will be pretty exciting. Um, and really, I'm kind of in a place where uh, my head's in the right place now, um, now that we've kind of settled uh, down here in Florida. I'm, I'm, we're about to get a house. I'm going to build out a studio and all that needs to happen in the next couple months. Um, and I'm, I've just sort of positioned myself to be fully immersed in, in making music and making art um, all the time. I've been painting a lot and I just feel like all of these things kind of feed into, um, into that artistry and um, I, I feel really good about being in a, in a position now to, to have the headspace to be able to focus on, on doing more scoring stuff in the future. Well, we can't wait to hear what you do next. So come back and tell us about it. Absolutely, man. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, of course. And if people want to follow along with your journey on social media or website or anything, how can they do that? I haven't been great at sharing things online. Um, I, I try to as much as I can, uh, but that's like another goal moving forward is kind of get a better presence and interaction, uh, social media. Uh, so my Instagram is Borehoof, uh, and uh, and I have a website and um, I'm currently working on a, on a film reel and uh, just kind of want to expand from there. Uh, but I, I think over the next six months, you'll, you'll kind of see, uh, that website grow and and uh, and sort of the presence uh, for making scores and stuff. You'll sort of see that presence grow um, over the coming months on Instagram. Well, everyone should definitely give you a follow. And Brooks, thanks for coming by Real Talk Arkansas. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me, Cody. And that's a wrap for this episode of Real Talk Arkansas. I'd like to thank Brooks Tipton for stopping by. And if you'd like to follow Brooks on his journey as a musician and composer, you can check him out on Instagram at Borhoof is his handle. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Ford. Thanks for listening. Real Talk Arkansas is a production of the Arkansas Cinema Society. Theme music by Amos Cochran. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or our website, arkansascinemasociety.org.